everybody, and welcome to Just Sold with Brent McIntosh. My name is Brent Griffiths. Joining us is Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Here we go through the month of December, and today we're talking about the ins and outs of multiple offers. Multiple offers. Okay, if I was a person selling my home, nothing would make me more excited to hear that. It's usually, yeah, the best news is is when your real estate agent calls you and says that I've got two offers or three offers. Uh, I would tell you it's not as easy as it might sound because every now and then um, you might get two offers and they're almost exactly the same. And so you feel a different stress about which one do you choose. And, and so that can be fun too. How do you decide? How do most people decide when it comes down to an offer that might be the same? Well, well, let, let's talk about um, what happens in a multiple offer situation. Okay. Um, is is for, first and, and foremost, it's basically two or three or, or in some marketplaces in Canada, we're seeing 15, 16 offers all written on the same day. And that's where the seller gets to look at all those offers with their real estate agent and the buyers, unfortunately for them, don't get to see any of the other offers. Basically, they have to make their best offer going in and hope that the seller chooses their offer. If you're a seller, how do you make it happen? How do you make go about getting multiple offers? And, and there's literally the best three things to focus in on would be one, price, is that if you price your property way too high, you're not going to get multiple offers because you're not going to attract the right buyers to your property. Basically, you're always trying to make your property look like it's either the biggest and or the best property in whatever price range you choose. If you're neither, not only will you not get an offer, you might not ever even get showings. Staging. We've talked about staging multiple times on this podcast about presenting your property in its best light. So those properties that do not show well typically never get multiple offers. So it's well worth it to put in a little extra elbow grease prior to putting your house on the market to make sure those pictures are perfect, the video is perfect, and then when the people show up to the property that it does show perfectly. And then lastly, timing. About choosing perhaps not only the right time of year to put your house on the market, but actually the right day of the week to do so. I can tell you that back in 2006 and 2007, when Edmonton's market was going absolutely crazy, there was very few properties on the market and almost every single seller was getting multiple offers. We would typically list properties on Thursday nights or Friday mornings, have showings all day Friday and Saturday, and then look at multiple offers on Sunday. It just happened um, all the time. Now, that's not something necessarily that you have to uh, abide by anymore, but it's never a bad strategy to list your property later in the week so that you can get some great showings, especially on Saturdays when buyers are in their best mood to write offers because they don't have the stress of getting to work or feeding the kids and or um, stress from work that day. So typically, I always think if you can be a new listing on a Saturday, that's your best position as a seller. Is there a wild card to this at all? And I'm just going to give you a quick little story here because back in the early 90s, my mom was selling her house, time to get into a seniors complex, and she had multiple offers. One was a really young couple. It was going to be their first new home. And the other was a couple of really nice people as well. But I think it was going to be their third home. And my mom opted for the younger couple because they were so excited about their first home. 
So that's the reason why she chose their offer. And I think maybe she took just a little bit less as well, but she yeah. just was so excited for the young couple. And I always wondered if it was all just basically down to dollars and cents or whether or not you run into the little old ladies like my mom who choose one over the other because there was something that they liked about those particular and possible buyers. A hundred percent, Bryn. And it will depend. I mean, there's no two situations exactly alike, but in my notes here, I I wanted to talk about almost the exact same type of story. One of our agents on our team, Deanna, was working with a young buyer this year and uh, they were making an offer on a condominium in South Edmonton. And it turned out uh, it was a, a very well priced property and there happened to be two offers on the property and fortunately our buyer won with the multiple offer situation and we don't truly know but the other agent did inform us that our offer was lower by a couple of thousand dollars but the seller chose our offer for two reasons is that not only did we write a really good offer so we had a with our buyer we had a, a really healthy deposit as much as she could afford up front Um, We also included a letter from her bank showing that she was pre-qualified to purchase a property in this price range. And so that was one of our conditions, which would have been one of the conditions on the other offer as well, subject to financing. So that made the seller feel a little bit more comfortable that, you know what, we've already been to talking to the mortgage specialist and we've got a letter confirming that and that financing should not be an issue. And lastly, uh, Deanna had our client write a letter to the seller. And that was really the cherry on top that won them over, that um, the letter included uh, what our client did for a living, how nice the house was, thanks for the opportunity, I really hope you choose me, and mostly an explanation. And in this case, it was really neat because our offer wasn't more than list price. And just because I think people assume that that multiple offers automatically means that it's going to sell for more than list price. And that doesn't always happen, especially what we've seen here in Edmonton the past couple of years. We're not in a crazy situation. And we do have a lot of buyers who refuse to get into multiple offer situations because there has been so many properties previously on the market. that They don't want to have to get into a bidding war. But literally, our client offered the very most that she could afford and no more and explained that in her little letter and asked the sellers to choose her and they did. And and so those are the kinds of things that can make the the difference if everything else being very similar on both offers, that uh, that could be the tiebreaker. That's the difference between seeing it as an investment and seeing it as a home. You know what I'm saying? Where Mm -hmm. you can tell the person that you're wanting to buy from is, is that you are moving into a home that you're not just doing this for an investment purpose. And people, people really, it's a personal thing, right? It, it's definitely a personal thing. And I, let, let's talk about the other situation. I can give you a scenario of, of a property about 10 years ago that I was representing the seller. We had multiple offers. And my client, the seller, happened to meet both buyers. Um, it was a 10-acre par- parcel with a with a, a horse set up on it and and my client was in the barn each time the buyer showed up and, and spoke to both buyers and when the offers came in there was actually twenty thousand dollars difference between the offers and the, our seller wanted to accept the lower offer because she liked them better she liked that buyer a lot better and didn't get a great vibe from the higher offer um, I, I 
in, did my best and, 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 and they did ultimately choose the higher offer. But, but, um, <laughs> I, I thought that it was absolutely crazy that we, we, we should take the best offer. And, and, um, and, and she, my client was mad at me for a day <laughs> that I made her choose the, the, the people that weren't as nice, but ultimately it was the best decision for her because $20,000 when all said and done is a lot of money. If it was yeah. only a few thousand dollars, that's one thing, but $20,000 was more than the total commissions involved in the transaction. So I, I suggested that uh, if she chose the higher offer, I'd be working for free. <laughs> now, here's the other question too. We've talked about people coming in and buying and getting into multiple offers. What if you're the seller? Do you have an option there? It, uh, sorry, what's the... Well, can, can the seller counter offers? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, typically, now not every situation is the same, but as I like to explain it, that typically the buyers have made their best offer, and especially when it comes to money. So I'm usually pretty hesitant, and I'm going to explain why here in a second, of countering a price, a purchase price, unless it's truly not enough. Um, I usually would uh, keep that the same. But there is other things that the seller could counter, possession date, conditions, terms of an offer, chattels, etc. So it's not just about purchase price. Typically, purchase price is going to be the first thing and, and, and most for most people, the most important thing. But I'll give you a scenario where I represented a buyer and another agent represented a buyer and we both made our best offer and uh, both of our offers were over list price, we found out later. And the this was back in the day when we used to present our offers in person. Uh, that doesn't happen very much anymore because of, especially because of COVID, but, but even just with changing times. And the listing agent came back and I had my clients in the car outside of the, the property. The other agent had his clients out inside his car outside of the property. The listing agent came back out to us to speak to us, handed us both our offers back and said, my seller would like you guys to uh, up your offers and may the best offer win. And uh, both me and the other agent had said, look, these are our best offers. This was our best offer. And what was interesting about it, I have never seen this happen, but both my clients and the other buyers uh, decided to withdraw their offers and the sellers got none. <laughs> so they got greedy. Wow. They had two, two offers over list price and were looking for even more and ended up with none. That property didn't sell for another 60 days and sold for quite a bit less than both of our offers had been. So you, I, I'm always cautious about countering price. Now, if there's other things and you're in a multiple offer situation, it, it's amazing how often that two offers might come in and that they're almost identical. Then we'll start looking for things to break the tie. And that could be possession date. That could be the deposit. That could be the conditions or lack thereof conditions. That could be the condition date. That one offer perhaps is prepared to remove conditions within a week. The other offer might ask for two or three weeks. So you'd know if your house is sold a lot quicker. And, and those are the kinds of things that we typically look for to break the tie. And how does the buyer win in a situation like this with multiple offers? So, of course, usually the highest offer should win. Yeah. But I, uh, our highlight sheets here in Edmonton will disclose what the seller is looking for, what would be their ideal possession date. Uh, obviously, offering a large deposit will make your offer look a lot more serious. And then, like I said about conditions, maybe having less conditions and or being able to remove those conditions 
a lot quicker will help you win in that situation. What about a backup offer? I know some people that's important for them. Uh, do you see a lot of that? Yeah. So um, perhaps if you've lost in the multiple offer situation, the seller might offer you that opportunity to be in a backup position. And some buyers will take that opportunity and some won't. It will depend on that particular buyer and how fast they might need to purchase a property. So I say that because the advantage of being in the backup offer position is that if that first offer doesn't go through and that first buyer doesn't remove their conditions because perhaps they don't get their financing, then that property automatically uh, goes to you rather than going back out onto the market. So you wouldn't have to be in a multiple offer situation. Um, so that's a great advantage for the buyer to be in that backup position. Of course, it's wonderful for the seller to have a backup offer. And I say that is because we've seen a large percentage of deals not go through in the past couple of years as the banks have cracked down on their financing. And it's a lot harder to qualify for mortgages for buyers these days. And so we're seeing a lot of properties go back to market. So if you're a seller, it's not sold until it's sold. So it's wonderful to have somebody in a backup position. Uh, the disadvantage for the buyer would be that um, they are now uh, waiting and uh, attached to that property. So in theory, they're not allowed to make any other offers on any other properties unless they can afford more than one home, of course. But they are now obligated um, to that property until, until otherwise not. When you have multiple offers too, uh, how long do you usually have to wait? I guess it, it's really helpful if the banks already pre-approved people because nothing worse than waiting and uh, waiting, waiting in a deal is pending, is it? Right. So, so the, the pending dates these days, and, and that's a great question because ironically in, in this world of computers that we're in, uh, that's the one thing that's slowed down. And, and I can tell you 20 years ago, it was quicker to get your financing approved than it is today. So typically what we're seeing for most offers these days, regardless of, this, of multiple offers or not, is about a two-week condition date so that the buyer can get their financing approved. The banks are, are, are being extra cautious, and that might include an appraisal of a property, which will add a few days to the process. So we, we are seeing about two weeks from the day that the offer is made. That drive people crazy? Would they like that shortened up a little bit? I'm guessing. Of course, of <laughs> course, yes. That's those are the most stressful two weeks for the seller. Uh, even more stressful than waiting for the offer, uh, waiting for those conditions to be removed and and the sold sign to go up. And we've talked about the fact that you don't see these situations as much as we did maybe a few years ago, but that still happens, does it not? It's definitely possible, and, and like we said right at the beginning of this podcast, is that if. If you have the right price and you've staged your property and you've got the right timing, the yes, you can get multiple offers. And ironically, right now in December, normally the slowest month of the year to sell properties, we're probably going to see quite a few multiple offers because inventory is actually really low right now. And so that's that's the perfect scenario for multiple offers because there's always going to be buyers in the marketplace no matter what time of year. Sometimes people can't control when they buy or sell. Typically December is a slower month because who wants to move in January or February in, in an Edmonton winter? But 
if you have to buy a house, you have to buy a house and, and you might be transferred in and you don't always get to control that timing and you might be competing with another buyer in the exact same position as you. And if you're both in the same price range and it's that it's the best property in that price range, then that's when multiple offers will happen. Hey, before we wrap things up, and I'm one of these guys where I like to do my homework first before I really kind of jump all in. This is a good time to be doing their their homework, is it not? And the also, it's a, it's a good time for you as well because you got a little more time to spend a little more personal time with somebody who's looking to either sell or buy. A hundred percent. And and what's great about most of the work that our team is doing right now is prep for 2021. So we're, we're doing market evaluations and we're coming up with strategies of when we're going to list the property, whether it be February 1st or March 1st. I actually already have a listing signed that's hitting the market on March the 1st. And, and so that seems like a long time out for most people. But uh, it's a, an estate file where probate needs to be completed before uh, we can sign a purchase contract. And uh, we've got some staging to do on that house and, and a little bit of uh, some, a few items on the honey-do list to make that house perfect. And uh, where I got to go through the property with the homeowners to, to discuss what would be the best use of their time and money to get more for that house when we hit the market on March the 1st. So this is an, a great time to start putting your ducks in a row where you might have a couple weeks off. And when you're done celebrating the holidays, that you might be able to do a few things on the honey-do list between Christmas and New Year's. And that come mid-January or February 1st, that that might be an ideal time to put the house on the market. You use the word probate. Makes me think of lawyers. We should touch on that coming up here very shortly on a podcast. Yes. And the other thing, too, we'll have to talk about is, and this is the one that that anytime I've sold a house, I've been just a little concerned about, and that is uh, home inspection. So we'll get to all of that in some podcasts coming up here in the near future. Thanks for your time today. Always great chatting. Always great to see you. Thank you so much. And before you go, let's tell everybody, because I know you love the feedback. How do they get a hold of you? They can reach us directly at our website. We're at macintoshgroup.ca. And we'd love for your questions and or podcast topics. And you can call our team directly if you're thinking about buying or selling. No obligation, free market evaluation at 780-464-0075. And your lovely face is available on Facebook, right? Can I can I, I not see you walking fa- through various homes? We we've, this, we've, we've had some we, we we try to have some fun with our videos. So if yeah. you'd like to follow us on our Facebook or Instagram page, you'll see some of the fun videos that we have with our properties. And that's the Macintosh Group sells Edmonton and Sherwood Park. There you go. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brent Griffiths. He's Brent Macintosh, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.